Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars this week, the last week of 2020. I can hardly believe it, but here we are. We're at the end of the year, and we are in the last few days of that year. So it's good to be with you this morning. Um, I know that I wasn't with you very many days. I think I was only with you last Monday. Uh, yeah, because Christmas was on Friday. So we haven't talked in a while. There's a lot to go over to look ahead at this week. And this week actually takes us into the first three days of the new year. And that means there is some new energy and some new things to talk about. And uh, I think what I'm going to do this week, because Friday is New Year's Day, I think I will be with you on Thursday morning, Christmas Eve, I mean, New Year's Eve morning, and we'll do some chart readings, we'll do some card readings to get a glimpse at what might be coming up for everybody in 2021. So look forward to that on uh, Thursday then. So uh, good morning, people. Hello, Tom and Deborah Johnson. Good morning to you, J-Lo. And good morning, Mimi and Christine Buckingham. Good to see you. Thank you, J-Lo. Um, Let's dive in, shall we? So today we have, I was really kind of shocked this morning because I'm thinking I haven't looked at anything astrological really in a week. I mean, as far as what's going on in the now, certainly I spent the weekend working on the webinar for everybody for January uh, that are in the membership. So I, I know what's coming up for the whole month of January, but I, I sat down this morning and went, I don't even know where the moon is. I figured it must be close to cancer because that's where the full moon is tomorrow. Sure enough, the moon is in Gemini today and it is squaring Neptune and also in a sextile to Mars. So astrologically anyway, or energetically, those transits are kind of decent transits. There's not a whole lot uh, I can say that's negative about it. Sometimes the moon in Gemini ruled by Mercury is a sign that's about conversation and communication, and it's very mind oriented. And in a square to Neptune, there can be some confusion. There can be some things coming out of your mouth that are not right. You might be writing something and you end up doing a dyslexia thing and it's backwards. So that's just the, the minor sort of snafus that happen with a square to Neptune. But it can also uh, alter our thoughts to become more spiritually oriented, to sort of raise up the vibration of our mind, to sort of look back into the human condition from the spiritual point of view or from spirit's point of view. So we have that as a benefit, if you will, to the, of the square to Neptune. Now, we might not like what we see when we look back in. That is one of the things that is a, a possibility when we start uh, squaring other planets, that there's this challenge, right? This scritchy sort of energy. And it's challenging us to go beyond or to look above or to go around or to square right in the face something that it is that we've been um, hesitating maybe to look at and to move through. The sextile to Mars is a really good thing. So later in the afternoon, we maybe get some, some pumped up energy. Uh, maybe we become more productive. I know my day gets busier as it goes on here. So people uh, may be feeling that productivity 
uh, as it comes on later using maybe new ideas and inspiration that Gemini moon bringing us sort of the feeling of what things uh, might be the possibilities right that we might have so that is the earlier part of our day. In fact, until this evening at 7.02 p.m. West Coast time, then the moon moves into the void and will be in the void until 2.29 a.m. tomorrow morning. And that's again, West Coast time. So make your adjustments for the time zone that you're in. Um, and then the moon will move out of Gemini and into Cancer and then be in preparation for its full phase tomorrow evening or morning now that I've just said that, uh, tomorrow evening at 7.29 p.m. West Coast time is the full moon. And I'm going to show you a graphic on that for a bit. But before we do that, the moon will be moving into the sign of Cancer. And remember, a full moon is an opposition between the sun at one side and the moon in the other. So if the full moon is in Cancer, then the sun must be in the sign of Capricorn and vice versa. So we have an axis that is all about home and family on the one end, and on the other end, that Capricorn energy about our profession or our career choice or path, and as well, our uh, connection to the wider world. I almost said the World Wide Web, but it's the wider world, right? Our How we claim our authority, how we claim our uh, authenticity in the world. So it pits our sort of professional career life against our home and our family, kind of a, an opposition pulling us in different directions as we're trying to find a solution to balancing those things in our lives, right? Putting the proper awareness on home and family and the proper awareness of doing on our career and our profession. So home and family, intimate relationships, and our gut instincts are part of the moon's experience in the sign of cancer. Um, safety and security, a big issue with cancer, uh, the sign of cancer, no matter what planet is going through there, uh, with the moon moving through cancer, it's about emotional security. It is about the feeling of belonging, as in I, I feel like I'm in my community or that I belong in my family. Uh, it is about protection, being protected. My heart is protected. Uh, my values are protected. It is also financial security when the moon is moving through cancer. And of course, we can't ignore emotions and feelings. Cancer, one of the most emotional signs, or at least it, it's emotional in that we see the results of emotion in cancer rather readily as it's moody, moody energy, as the moon changes through every degree, through every nuance of emotion. Cancer is the sign that reflects that. So often when the moon is in cancer, we're dealing with a lot of different variable emotions in any given day, in any given moment. <laughs> so not only are you experiencing that variability, but other people around you are as well. And then when things happen in the outer world or in your family or in your home that trigger that emotion, we are very apt to express that emotion, whether it's the high of joy or whether it's the low of despair or depression. Uh, so caring and empathy and vulnerability are all a part of the moon in Cancer. And I, we're talking about this now because I won't be with you tomorrow, but tomorrow the moon, the full moon is across that Cancer Capricorn 
um, axis. And so likely these are things that are gonna come up during this period of time. Um, in Cancer, the moon is asking for awareness. It is triggering us to be aware of not only our own feelings and emotions, but the feelings and emotions of those around us, being aware of how people are feeling. And then also the awareness of our needs and the needs of others. The moon uh, brings us to those things that we need, not just like air and water and food, but what about loving and caring and nurturing? Those are the things that the moon really cares more about. It's not so much about the survival energies of uh, say the spleen in your human design. It's more the energy of the love that I need, the, the feeling of belonging, the nurturing that uh, we all need as human beings. So guess what? Nurturing is a part of the full moon, uh, part of the moon in Cancer, and that is about being supported and being supportive of others in our lives, as well as other nurturing things like food and mother and caring for others. Um, a lot of times cancer is prominent in the live, in the charts of uh, nurses, uh, daycare providers, uh, mothers, stay-at-home moms, uh, also uh, people who work with children in schools and so forth, because there's a, an, uh, a nurturing quality that comes through those kinds of vocations. Now, as any sign has, it's got its negatives and the negatives here are about excessive self-protection. Think of the crab, right? With that hard shell that protects that soft inner belly, that big, those claws that come out before it, the way that a crab will sidetrack sideways, sidewind out of a situation. They never come straight at you. It's kind of a sideways walk. So we have this sense of excessive self-protection, perhaps, where we can become clingy, we can be very needy, uh, we can be insecure, we can be expressing the insecurity, whether it's because of a new, a new job where we don't maybe feel as confident because of a family issue that's going on, because of a financial issue, a health issue, you name it. Uh, it is also two, two of the core human fears come into a relationship with cancer. One is the fear of rejection, right? That we're not gonna be accepted. So the fear of rejection, but also the fear of abandonment. And so sometimes when the moon is in a powerful position like this with the moon in uh, fullness uh, in the sign of cancer, so it would happen in December, uh, then we, or even January, I guess, then we have the problem of um, feeling like we might be abandoned, that we're not good enough, or that somebody might be leaving us. So those fears of rejection and abandonment may be more pronounced this particular time of year. And in the health of the body, the moon in Cancer is about the breasts, the chest, the pancreas, uh, growths of tumors, as well as the stomach, right? Your stomach and the digest, the digestion is Virgo, but the stomach itself as an organ of digestion comes from cancer. All right, uh, questions. I'm gonna pop over here and say good morning to everybody. I'm not sure if Ace is with us this morning. Uh, let's see, Allison D, good morning. Ingrid, good morning and happy almost new year. There's Asa, nice to see you out there, Asa. 
Uh, JLo, I did had the grands make a mess in the home best way to deal with a holiday after having my mom pass away this year. Hope you had an amazing one. Um, Mice J, Mice G1984. Good morning, Jan. Oh, Colleen, hello. It's good to see you. Amanda J, hello. Jennifer Peachy, good morning. And Ursula, good morning, family. Um, Corey, good morning. And JLo, are you saying your mom just recently? died or was this earlier in the year because I don't think I knew that and oh my gosh my heart goes out to you uh JLo wow so cool to know my daughter is finishing this year to be a teacher she is a cancer son and my sister owns a daycare she is a cancer son also how perfect for them right uh hello Ursula and Cor or that's from JLo saying hello it's great that you guys are all out here able to converse with one another that's one of the reasons I really like using YouTube because there's that possibility of of interconnectedness there. And thank you, JLo. Reminder, please hit the like button or the subscribe button. And uh, let's see if we can keep this uh, being shared with more and more people. Um, honestly, oh, I'm 610 subscribers. Woohoo! We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, okay. So, uh, uh, Asa, if you're out there and you're able to listen in, if anybody has a question, please let me know. Let's take a look now. I'm going to head over to Zoom. Let's take a look at the full moon um, information. So the full moon will occur at 729 tomorrow p.m., 729 p.m. West Coast time, 1029 p.m. for those of you in the Eastern time zone. And that will actually be December 30th for those of you in Europe and beyond. The full moon is always a time of release, completion, revelation, something being let go of, we're moving on from something. So it has the sense of the opposite of the new moon, where the new moon is all things new and new things beginning and uh, able to initiate and move forward. The full moon says, okay, we've come to this halfway point in the new moon cycle and what's in the way, what need, what do we need to let go of in order to move forward? Uh, so the full moon release completion revelation, ahas uh, come with this epiphanies at times, but also that idea of something ending and something being let go of in order to move forward. Now I looked at my Dane Rudyard, of course, to discover what it was that the degree of the moon and the sun were going to be at, because that gives us a clue as to the degree sign, what those energies are about. And the moon was at a large diamond in the first stages of the cutting process. So we get the sense that something's in the process of being um, molded and something in the process of being um, sort of created. And, you know, when we go to facet a diamond or when we're, we're, we've got a lump of clay in front of us and we're getting ready to fashion something in our imagination is the final product, right? The final look. And so we see then with the moon, what we're at is the first stage of bringing that new vision into reality. And then in the sun, we have the overcoming of fear and its rewards the sun in this case shining a bright light on what it is that we must do in order to get to the, the stages of the cutting process, right? If we're gonna reveal something new, if we're gonna create a new drawing, a new way of living, a new way of being, then we have to overcome the fear of that new, of the process itself or of uh, what we might have to let go of to get there. 
So the sun and moon working together to overcome this fear energy and then to be able to clear the way to create something new. Now in this picture here, what you see is the sun and moon at, well, here's the sun down here at eight degrees of Capricorn with, and it's almost nine degrees. It's eight degrees, 54 minutes. So bullet burn to the ninth degree and those two in opposition to one another. So here you can visually see the full moon in action. So in your own personal charts, for example, you can look to cancer, which looks like a crab, right? With the little claws. And you can also look down here to the sun in Capricorn, which to me always looks like the number 76. And you can find those signs and then you'll know where it is that the full moon is occurring in your own personal chart. And right around the inner circle here are the house numbers. So it will tell you what house that is happening in, in your own personal chart. And the houses, of course, are the where of the action that's occurring. So we have in this chart, if this were a person, the where happens to be the moon in the house 11, the house of wishes, hopes, and dreams, and friends and relationships that are uh, in like uh, professional associations or groups. And then we have the sun in the fifth house, which is the house of creativity, self-expression, love and romance, that kind of thing. So if this were a person, the axis here would suggest that this person is meant to release something that's been standing in the way of creating their dreams or following a vision. And in doing so, it would generate joy and uh, creative energy, the creative juice to get to uh, express their vision. Now, of course, there are uh, 11 other acts, or let's see, not 11, there would be, because uh, axes, it would be five other axes that this could be happening across in your own personal chart. So you would look to that. And there are other videos on YouTube from uh, the study that we did on the houses earlier in uh, this year. And of course, there is also the astrology of 2021 reading that is available for anybody who would like to see ahead through 2021 as to what is happening in their chart. There seems to be about three or four different places in the charts for everybody that I've done so far. Uh, and it would be that way for everybody because of the nature of the transits for 2021 that are under pressure or are uh, being affected and this kind of reading is discounted from the usual 129 for the reading and uh, then down to 89 for that reading for 2021. So you can find that on my website. Actually, I have to update that really quickly today, but later in the day, you'll be able to find that on my website for general public if you're interested. Now, the other thing that we always look at when we have a full moon or a new moon is at the transits or the aspects that the moon and the sun are making to other planets. Now, the biggest aspect that we have here during this period of time is going to be the moon's uh, sextile relationship to Uranus and the black moon Lilith. Now, they're both in Taurus. So we have, and, and let me show you how a sextile is formed. We have, you see this blue line here that's connecting the moon to these planets. This line tells you it's a sextile because it's a shorter blue line. But the sextile is a 60 degree relationship between the planets. It means it implies that they are exchanging ideas and 
talents and gifts in a way that supports them mutually. So we have the moon in Cancer and very home and family oriented. And then we have the planet Uranus and the black moon Lilith in Taurus, which is more home oriented, home as in the structure of the home, the foundation of the home, the land the home sits on, that type of thing. So we have a sort of connection here to the things that make us feel grounded, the things that support us. And so this full moon even though it's Uranus and there can be upsets here, it might help us to release those things that don't ground us, that don't feel accommodating to us. And the fact that the black moon Lilith is here, now she represents your shadow. She is the shadow you. And we all have black moon Lilith somewhere in our natal charts. So we have a natal shadow or a natal fear. And that's always going to be there, right? Because if the shadow is triggered in us when something that uh, threatens us or our survival uh, is uh, up in our faces. So the transiting Black Moon Lilith gives us an idea of the collective fear that we're dealing with. And wouldn't you know it, the collective fear that we're dealing with is a lack of uh, prosperity, right? A lack of financial stability. Um, certainly up until the time that uh, the president signed the next uh, stimulus bill today, there was uncertainty and fear around how people were going to survive, especially those people who had lost their jobs due to COVID and weren't able to sustain themselves. And so in various ways for the next eight or so months, this little girl here is going to be triggering those fears in all of us, not just the people who have it natally in Taurus. It might be more uh, uh, intense for those people, but in general, that is going to be the theme of our fears is about the economy or our financial status or how do we get jobs back, etc. So that's going to be a while yet. And the fact that Uranus is here gives us possible um, ingenious ways uh, to overcome that, surprises around how that can turn around on a dime, surprises how it can get even worse because we have yet to deal with the, the major, um, the systemic problem of the economy. So we have some uncertainty here financially, and then we also have a fear around it that is playing into the emotion of the moon. But this is a good relationship. This is not a square, so there's not like this challenge that we have to overcome. But what it is, is maybe sharing of new ideas and new ways of thinking that can move us out of that. And my guess is that this is about our creating more faith and trust that everything is happening in its right and perfect way, that it couldn't be anything but that, even if our minds want to make it out to be something that's tragic or terrible or dramatic or traumatic. So all is right and perfect and happening in the right and perfect way. Um, and we all have access to uh, that truth for each of us as individuals. Now, the sun is in a trine. A trine is also an ease and flow of the energy. So the sun in a trine to the black moon Lilith and Uranus, and they're both in earth signs. Taurus is an earth sign. Capricorn is an earth sign. So they're sharing the same quality of wanting to get their feet beneath them on solid ground and to be practical and pragmatic and to be able to work one step, one foot in front of the other to achieve their goals and to eventually, with the moon in the 11th house here, get to the, the hopes and the aspirations, the vision, what is coming up. 
So we do have some really good energy with the sun and the moon to Uranus. It's about, to me, I'm like, what more is possible? There's that one, but that's a theme for all of 2021. Uh, but there's also uh, about what must we change about ourselves, about our families, about how we spend money, about how we spend our time that would support us in being able to move through this fear of lack and this fear of scarcity. So an interesting time, I think, as we sit on the, on the cusp of a new way of being in the world economically and uh, financially. So uh, the sun and the moon both are uh, squaring the planet Chiron and Chiron at the fifth degree of Aries. And he has been teaching us about the interdependence that we have. In other words, we're not here to be totally independent. We're not here to be dependent or codependent. We we're here to learn about how we are interdependent upon one another, how one domino can take out the next, can take out the next, and so on and so forth. And then strengthening then all of the, um, the, the, each of the dominoes, right? Each of those things that could potentially create problems for us. And ASAP, you know, I got a new phone over the weekend and uh, there we go. So question, what if your natal black moon Lilith in Scorpio is opposite of this black moon Lilith in Taurus? Well, that's a great question. And it would mean Scorpio at the other end is about the transformation process, transforming fear of lack and scarcity, right? And often the black moon in Scorpio looks at things in terms of winning and losing as life is almost like a competition for them. Um, you know, she who has the most toys or she who has the most money wins kind of thing. And if I see myself as not winning, then it's sort of like I then give up. Maybe there's a fear there about uh, I can't compete. Um, I don't have enough. Um, I'm not good enough. So it can be triggering self-worth here. Uh, and so the highest energy expressed here for you with that opposition is going to be about self-mastery, mastering your fears, right? But you don't master your fears if you don't look at them. You don't master your fears if you don't face it square on and say, I see you, I appreciate you, and I'm going to work on this, right? I am going to have faith and trust that all is happening in my highest and best. So that's a great question. The opposition pulls it in half, right? You're pulling in two different ways. One half wants self-mastery and change and transformation, while the other half is saying, but I need, I have to have, I'm seeing a, a lack of, and it doesn't matter what you see, it matters in how can you create the opposite if you want to, right? Uh, okay, so... Oh, there's the independence, interdependence uh, theme showing up here. Also, during this period of time, can I do that? Oh, I can't do that anymore without face ID. That just drives me crazy. Oh, it was just telling me the same question. <laughs> Newfangled phones, what the heck? Um, now, on another part of this uh, moon that isn't to do with the moon itself is an aspect that is uh, building as we move into the weekend. And uh, so we have the full moon and we see already that uh, Venus is in a square to Neptune and that's a building. But we also see that Venus is very close to a conjunction uh, to the South Node. And so there, it, it would appear, it would appear 
that in this full moon time, that there's the possibility of two things. One, with the South Node and Venus, we have to get, uh, we have to become aware of and we have to release something from our past uh, in order to become more in alignment with our values, to become more financially secure, etc. Now that can be a dynamic that has happened in this lifetime. It can be from many lifetimes. It could be from your ancestral line. It seems like the Anytime we have the South Node involved with the planet, it harkens back to the past. And it may even in the bigger scale, talk about our culture and our society that how we've built this house of cards financially or how we've built a house of cards of values, where we speak one value, but we're doing something else. So there could be a, re a reckoning, if you will, that's coming, at least here in the early part of this year the end of this year, the beginning of, of the new year, that we all, whether it's personal or whether it's uh, in the, the bigger, wider world, have to come to terms with the reality of what is. And the problem here is that we have this whole group of ideals and beliefs and patterns that we've established as humans on this planet, as uh, you know, citizens of the planet, uh, that are based in values. The values have all been really very monetary and very uh, greed centric, if you will. And I'm not, I'm not calling us each as individuals greedy, but what I am saying is that we've amassed a lot of stuff, right? Stuff. I mean, what do you think Christmas is all about, right? Getting more stuff. And what do we do with the stuff we have already got that we now have to make room for the new stuff? Well, it ends up in our landfills or it ends up, you know, eventually ends up uh, destroyed and in landfills and creating more problems. So this might be the beginning of a reckoning around stuff, right? How can we become more uh, sustainable, minimalistic, minimalist. I'm not advocating that we all become minimalists, but I think that we should all take a look at the things that we think we need, right? The things that we think we need in order to support us. And can we let go of some of those things? And then square to Neptune over here um, is about unconditional love. We bring a higher order of love into the world through this square. And, you know, I, they're so funny because every time I do things, I see songs. And uh, this reminds me of what the world needs now is love. And uh, love being not just between us as individuals, but the compassion and the love of God or spirit or source uh, to us, and then how we give that on to our fellow human beings. So I find that to be a really positive, even though it's a square, uh, I find it positive in the beginning uh, of this moon cycle and the beginning of 2021 for all of us. All right. And Asa is out there to take questions if you have any other questions about the moon. Um, let's, let's see, I'm going to go say hello again real quickly here. Um, oh, okay. Um, bup, bup. Okay, now uh, let's talk about what is going on then for the week ahead. And it's actually, it's actually a pretty quiet week. And that is as it should be considering the sun and the earth in human design are in two very quiet gates. So let's just take a look at the weekly aspects first and then I'm gonna dive into the human design uh, important things that we need to look at for this, or this week. 
Uh, so the weekly aspects today, of course, the moon's in Gemini. It's the only big aspect of the day. Tomorrow, the full moon takes residence and it creates the biggest aspect of the week. Wednesday, Venus will actually come into the square with Neptune. Uh, they will be at the exact degree and to the minute. Thursday, the moon will move into Leo, kind of leaving us out, getting us away from the emotional full moon and taking us into the new uh, uh, part of the cycle. It is also the new human design week. We'll talk about that. And then Friday, Mercury and Neptune come into a sextile with one another. So now we add the mind and its possible confusion, or is it some powerful intuition that you can tap into that takes you to where you need to be? Saturday, the moon moves into Virgo. Sunday, really, literally, there isn't much going on. So the week, as you can see, is kind of quiet. And the full moon, I think, takes up a lot of energy, a lot of space. Certainly moving into the new year takes up a lot of space. So it's not like there's nothing happening. There's just not a lot of big bang sort of uh, transits, which by the way, that reminds me of last week's Mars square Pluto, where I was talking about explosions and danger and things like that. Well, uh, naturally, you know, this is over a time span, right? It's not just on that day. We have the three or four days ahead, the coming, the applying, we have the exact, which is one or two days, depending, uh, this was probably two days. And then we have the going another, you know, two to three days. And during that period of time, there were a couple of things that happened. One, uh, Kilauea, the volcano blew, right? Sending ash up 30,000 feet. That's a big explosion. And uh, then we had uh, here in Washington, uh, a tanker full of um, uh, propane blue blew up on it, it actually derailed caused an explosion and i did not hear the explosion it wasn't near me uh, it is near me actually it's about 20 30 miles that way north but i didn't hear it and then of course the nashville explosion that happened over the weekend uh, so we had a lot of explosions and danger signals that were really kind of in that outer world what did they expose to us because pluto of course, is exposing the exposing the underbelly, the under um, part of, of all of that. So, uh, I would say that there maybe here with those uh, train tracks. This is a track that leads up to Canada, and there are always fights going on about coal trains that are coming through the state of Washington and up into Canada, and the knowledge that those tracks can, they, they move through some very um, delicate uh, environment and through people's homes and neighborhoods. And if there was ever a derailment, it would create a real haz hazard. And then of course that hazard appeared, but with uh, propane instead of coal or it was oil, I don't remember which it was, but something that created a big boom and a fire and a lot of black smoke and I'm not sure yet about all the details about the Nashville explosion, but I'm sure something got exposed under there. Uh, also Kilauea, a volcano. Volcanoes are kind of a safety valve, I, I would say, uh, for the planet itself and what the pressures are that are building up inside of the planet get exposed through volcanoes and through earthquakes. So um, Kilauea, right? You, you can't help but, be in awe of the power of the earth 
and also the uh, danger involved in something like a Kilauea. So that is living astrology, exactly what I, I envisioned when I named my business that, uh, is that we were in the process of living these transits and living astrology. Uh, okay, let's transit or transition over to the Human Design Week. Uh, I'm going to share my screen again because I want to show you. I'm not sure if I showed you this last week or not, so bear with me. Uh, what I'd like to do is share the uh, information for week five of our December uh, Human Design Week. This is a week about joy and stillness as vital forces of creativity. In other words, that pendulum swing, right? That takes us to the outer world expression of creativity that has come from the quiet internal process of creativity. You need both ends, right? Both ends. Um, sometimes we label that lower end as depression or sadness or melancholy um, because we have this idea in our minds that it's more favorable or preferable to experience joy and laughter and playfulness at that one end um, and to not enjoy the melancholy or the quiet or the stillness that comes at the other end. But here we get this idea that there's this flow of energy and that uh, it includes joy at one end and it includes that, that inward creative energy at the other end that we might misinterpret as depression, sadness, quiet, uh, or melancholy. And yet we need both because the gate 58 in the quantum is looking at the joy of mastery when we are able to really become fully human, fully available to all of the energies that we're experiencing, fully in command of ourselves and understanding that that flow of energy is just a part of the vital forces on the planet and vital in a different way to our being able to create uh, if we didn't go into the stillness, we would always be cre creating from the outer. We'd never take the time to go inward and see what's going on inside. The gene keys show us that the shadow here is dissatisfaction, the gift is vitality, and the Siddhi is bliss, right? So all of these things right within us. The earth at the gate 52 is in the quantum field in the gate of perspective. Now, what's interesting about the earth in any human design interaction is that she's connecting us to the challenge that we have as beings here on this planet. And the challenge is to rise from uh, the gate 52 perspective to the sun at the gate of joy. So the gate 52 perspective is also known as stillness and restraint in the gift of the, the gene keys, but it's knowing where to put your attention and when. Is it on rest or work or play? And we tend to be all out all day long, work, 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 because we've created this false value around productivity. And yet that takes us out of the restful stage where we are in contemplation, perhaps, we are in peace and serenity, um, we are in solitude, perhaps, in preparation for the expression of joy again on the other side. So this is about having perspective, about knowing when it is okay to release yourself from productivity, that indeed, likely, there is a part of every day that, that should be relegated to quiet and stillness and restraint uh, to get us from the shadow energy of stress here. So by the way, these are all 
both of these gates are on the root center, which I can't see in this uh, graphic here, but the root center is a center at the very bottom of the chart, and it is about um, enduring and persevering, and it pulses. It has an actual energy associated with it, and it's kind of having it, it's like an on switch and an off switch, and on means we're in the vital, blissful, extroversion, you know, doing part of the phase. When it turns off, we are in the more restful, still restraint part of the phase. And then that switches again, and we're out in the world, switches again, and we're back inward. So you see that there's this ebb and flow of energy that moves through here that keeps us from the shadow of stress. But we become so stressed by the things that we feel that we have to do, and it is also a pressure center. And so we feel pressured to keep going and going and going until we're done with what we're doing. And for those of you with an open root center, it never gets done, right? The, every time you think you're at the end and you could see you could see that light at the end of the tunnel, suddenly, you know, a rock slide happens and now the tunnel's blocked and I've got more things to do in order to get out of that tunnel. And those of you who have it defined, lucky for you, you do have uh, access to more enduring energy, but you too can burn out from the continual doing, doing and doing here in from the pressure of the world creating stress upon us to get things done. I mean, raise your hand if you've just had stress around the holidays trying to get all the gifts wrapped, get, get them bought, get them to the right persons, mailing them, receiving them, all of that kind of thing. Uh, creates stress within us from a false sense of having to do instead of just be. So Christmas time, right? This is December 25th through the 30th, uh, which takes us just until Wednesday this week. Uh, but it's reminding us about having perspective about doing and resting, doing and resting as alternates of each other, sort of an alternating current where both need to be paid attention to equally. All right. Um, now, how am I going to show you this? Ah, dang it. Okay, well, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to go to a different website, because there's something else extraordinarily extraordinary, excuse me, happening um, this week. And it is actually tomorrow on the 29th. Yes, tomorrow. Um, where Jupiter is going to change gates. And I'm going to show you the chart because some, oh, Jupiter's already there. Oh my. Okay. So it's happening already. And that's weird. Hmm. All right. Let's take a look here. I'm going to share my screen and I'm sorry, you're probably not going to see it all in the way that I usually show this, the screen, but it's the only way I can show you. So what we're looking at is on the website, Jovian Archive, they, they're just now chart. Uh, oh, and I know why this is happening now. Never mind. It is happening now. Um, when you have your ephemeris, right, your little book like this, you have to note that all the times here are in UTC. So uh, if they're saying, for example, that Jupiter moves in to... Um, the gate 41 on the 29th, it doesn't give me a time for that. It only gives me a time for the, for the planets. The time that it moves in is likely at daybreak for the day prior because it's based on a daybreak for eight hours or nine hours ahead of us here, at least in the US. 
So what we have is the planet Jupiter moving to the gate 41. And it is the gate that is the, the beginning of the human design new year. So what we have here is a start codon. In our human DNA, there are places in the DNA that are start codons and stop codons that tell the DNA that it's time to begin something. And then the ending codon tells you it's time to stop and then start again, right? So there, there are these different codons that code the DNA, i.e. your body, to do certain things in a certain way at a certain time, right time, right place, right, right thing, right? Uh, so timing is very eloquent in human design because it's really eloquent in our own bodies, in our DNA. And the timing at the gate 41 is in the now, and it is the start codon, the start of, with Jupiter, an 11 to 12 year cycle that takes us through a new beginning. So it is focused on growth and expansion, right? That's Jupiter qualities, but there's a little bit of a problem here still, right? We've got this beginning energy. We so badly want to get on with our new year, get the, the you know, things passed, uh, get through, you know, these, these strenuous last days of 2020 and on to 2021. Um, but we still have Saturn sitting here at the gate 60, and here's Saturn right here at the gate 60, where it is a uh, sort of constrictive, it is stopping us, it's limitation, it's causing us to accept where we are in the moment, and whatever those conditions are. But then Jupiter at 41 is kind of revving the motor, it's wanting to take and move forward. So what we have is at least until I believe it's January 4th, wrong book, uh, January Fourth, yes, good job. Uh, January fourth, when Saturn will join Jupiter at, at Gate Forty One, where we are sort of in a, a standstill phase. Right? Did you notice that the Gene Key was also standstill? It was at a stopping a restraint point, stillness point. So we have the standstill energy, even though inside of us we're feeling like, yeah, we want to go, we want to get going, and Jupiter here will take a few days to gain some speed. And then Saturn will be here at this gate and start us moving forward. So this is not about just growing willy-nilly or expanding, you know, in a way that is uh, unsustainable, which is how we usually do things, right? We have had our experience of doing it that way. This is about our taking in this creation energy and deliberately step-by-step step, building something, doing something with the energy, being able to trust in the process, to have faith that it is all working out just as it is meant to without pushing, right? Without pushing or stressing over the results or the lack of results, right? So we're not pushing, we're not straining, we're not stressing but we are acting with deliberation, not being impulsive and just like throwing it all out there. So we still have a sort of foot on the gas, foot on the brake feeling um, better maybe spoken as two steps forward and maybe one step backwards, but you're still a step ahead. So Jupiter coming to land here today, uh, giving us that, that nod to something new is in the works. Uh, but likely it won't be until Saturn joins Jupiter here that we really start to see that opening up where we can be deliberate in our creative energies.
So good news, I think, actually. Um, so we just have to sort of maintain a bit of a, um, <laughs> I don't want to say control, but we have to monitor our steps and our progress so that we don't go, you know, all the way out there and then go, oh, darn, I've got to come back. So slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. Um, there's also a little bit of a, a caveat here because the gate 41's energy is about intention, right? Setting an intention. And then intention, if it's just up here in your head as an imagination or as a fantasy, it doesn't find its way to being expressed in the real world. So there's also the caveat that says, okay, you've got this intention, but what steps are you willing to take to get there, right? Um, when the universe is prompting you to move and you don't, then there's a problem. When you're pushing the universe or you're pushing at the universe, there's a problem. So it's a delicate balancing act sort of for us to be able to push ahead or to move ahead in the right timing with the prompting of the universe and the energies that are opening up for all of us. So any questions about that? Let me know. I don't see any questions popping up here. Good. So uh, lastly, let's talk about the Pleiadian Earth energy. I hadn't even tapped into this for the week yet. Um, literally just been, you know, so many things to do during the holidays, right? Um, so in our Pleiadian calendar today, we've come to eight feeling how appropriate, right? To have the feeling energy on the same day that we're talking about and the moon moving into the sign of cancer later on in the day. Um, so the number eight is the universal energy. So when we're talking about the Pleiadian earth energy, we are talking about two number or two uh, parts. One is the number that takes us into the universal energy of the day. And then we have a word that goes with that, that is the prompt for us to remember what the energies, where are we in the spiral of consciousness here on the earth? So today is eight feeling. So the universal energy eight reminds us of our heart to heart connection. It is how it, the heart has this magnetic resonance. It draws to us people and opportunities and instances where we have to uh, rise to the occasion to greet everything with love and connection. And uh, it is also the energy of the eight that brings us the divine connection embodied within us. So we have heart to heart, human to human, and we have divine to human. In other words, you are embodied spirit. And from that embodied spirit are able to connect as spirit does heart to heart with your fellow human being. So it's a very loving day. It's a day for connecting to one another. The feeling energy in the Mayan calendar was the sign Muluk. It was a representation of water. And water uh, always has been, it seems like, uh, attributed to emotional energy, to feelings, because water is, you know, has its various ways of flowing. It can get whipped up by the wind into a frenzy. It can have its very bucolic moments, just, you know, streams burbling along. Um, it can be put to work and put to use as uh, behind a dam and generating electricity, um, or it can carve out a whole new path when, as we've had here, a lot of rain and it decides that, you know, I want to go that way, uh, cutting a new path for rivers and streams. So we have this energy of feeling and emotion that comes up on a day like today. 
And it isn't about so much the experience of having an emotional reaction or responding to an emotion or the feelings that we have. It's more about what do we what do we do when we have those feelings, right? When we have a change in our emotional energy or we have a change in the way that we're feeling. And so we're talking about emotional IQ, which I sort of shortened into EQ, emotional quotient. The IQ is our intelligence quotient. We're moving from that into the EQ or into emotional uh, intelligence. And what does that mean? Well, it means that you understand when you're about to react from an emotional trigger and you pause breathing maybe or walking in circles if need be to draw off that emotional energy so that you can choose how it is that you're going to respond. So response versus reaction. And even the uh, solar plexus mutation that we are slowly you know, beginning to go through um, that won't be complete until 2027 is all about our learning to use emotional energy correctly. And I'm sure you're going to hear me talk about this many more times as we begin to really understand what are emotions about and how are they uh, meant to be used instead of the way that we have used them, which is in reactivity, volatility, anger, upset, that type of thing. Not that we're not meant to feel those energies, right? It's, it's okay to feel them but it's not okay to react outwardly to others or to yourself even from them, right? So we have to learn what do we do with those emotions that we feel? And there's this wide spectrum of emotional energy that uh, we have to learn how to, to work with. And we all know we have certain triggers, um, certain maybe astrological transits, even if you're aware of that, that might trigger you. I can always tell when Mars is acting up in my chart because I suddenly am frustrated or angry, short fused, and I'm not normally like that. So usually it's a long burn and then I'll be volatile. But lately, you know, Mars has been really kicking up in my chart personally. And I've seen that frustration and anger very close to the surface and having to work through that, right? So all of us in some way having to learn about reaction versus response being response being the preferred way of dealing in uh, the with the emotional energy to become more emotionally intelligent right emotional intelligence so feeling energy today taking us through different emotional fields different feelings but also remembering in the midst of all of that no matter what it is that we are heart to heart that we connect with one another through love and that is the main energy, right? Love, 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 love. Connection, connection, connection. Okay. Uh, did I ever stop sharing the chart? Yes, I did. All right. So questions, comments. How's everybody doing out there, Asa? Uh, Jennifer Peachy, good morning. Um, did I say that to you earlier? Because I just now saw your name. Uh, Christine Buckingham says one natural, one accidental, and one intentional explosion. Eerie, accurate astrology, right? It, it can be eerily. I, I really thought it was going to be, um, I, I don't know what I thought. I think I thought it was going to be more political explosions. I mean, kind of that's what we've gotten used to is these political things that are going on. But it turned out to be actual, you know, explosions. Weird, weird, weird. Um, okay. Now, uh, I want to do a couple of uh, cards for 
a couple of cards for the collective and none of them are particularly calling except dragons so we, i guess it's a dragon that we're pulling dragons are powerful maybe we need a dragon power and all right so let's do this this will be for the collective we're getting us through the full moon and through this week. And for those of you who are just joining us and didn't hear me earlier, I will be on air on Thursday this week because Friday's a holiday. And on Thursday, uh, the last day of the year, uh, how appropriate that we're getting together, I'm going to do some readings. That could be a chart. It could be cards. Um, so pretty much if I, I'll, the only thing I really want to talk about that day is human design, the new week. And there we go. Oh, so I pulled the magenta dragon. Here's the picture. Hold on, I got to go back to zoom so I can see myself in the camera. There we go. So the magenta dragon, beautiful dragon, nice and pretty. And it says, enables you to bring forward your soul wisdom, awaken your soul memories and higher spiritual understanding, prepare for accelerated ascension. Perfect. 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 Okay, so let's read what this one is about. The Magenta Dragon. I had a feeling it might be one around love and that type of thing. Uh, magenta. Page 72. Okay. So the glorious fifth dimensional magenta dragons accompany us on our eternal soul journey as we experience and learn from all the universes, planes, and dimensions. As they travel with us, they remind us that we are immensely wise and learned beings with so much to offer. Because we have gone through the veils of amnesia, we have forgotten who we truly are. As soon as magenta dragons connect with us, they prepare us to remember our unique role in this universe. They place us in an extraordinary deep pink flame of love, higher spiritual understanding and wisdom. They work with Archangel Mariel, who is in charge of the soul star chakras of humanity. The dragons prepare the way so that the Archangel can wake us up at a deep soul level. Once we have woke, we can never see ourselves in the same way again. We recognize who we truly are and bring forward our soul wisdom. And here's our guidance. This is a card of accelerated ascension. A magenta dragon is here to remind you that you are an illumined soul carrying much wisdom. It is helping you to dissolve any remaining veils of illusion and preparing you to become an enlightened one. It has come to you now to remind you that all is love for we are all one. It is time to see all things with the wise inner eyes of truth. Treat everyone as if they were you. Your guidance is to sit quietly with your magenta dragon and allow the door to your vast soul memories to open. When you reveal to yourself who you truly are, you will help to bring forward the new golden age. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, so there we have it. Soul growth, soul evolution, bringing in our light and remembering who we are. Uh, question, J-Lo asked if the pressure she feels from the tailbone uh, could be part of a transit also, since she sees now that she has Pluto on gate 18 and it completes gate 58. Ooh, yes, that makes sense physically, right? So physically that channel is about perfectionism. 
it is uh, somebody who's able to see how to make corrections that bring everything back into a joyful resonance, but it is so far away from the throat center, it must be activated by an invitation. In other words, if you're trying to perfect someone else or you're trying to help someone else to correct something, it can't be done without an invitation or else it's you know received as criticism or judgment. So the pressure there may be even that you are overly uh, perfectionistic toward yourself, believing that you have to do something else before you can put out your work. Um, so being very aware then the pressure in the tail bone probably about um, not loving yourself enough, um, about being overly critical of yourself, that kind of thing. So release yourself from that and be loving and kind and generous to yourself as much as you would be to other people. All right, that is it for me this morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining me and I will see you on Thursday. Have a wonderful week. Bye for now.